And so when I think of Acts 2, 42 and 48, and I reflect on this past month of this Steps in Love series, uh, this is truly what I'm seeing. When I'm living in Portland, when I'm walking around, when I'm hanging out with, with you guys, when, when, when we're at a meeting of the body or when we're just hanging out or sharing food, like this is, is what I see. Um, and I can share kind of most, most intimately about, about the campus ministry because that's really, um, you know, it's what I've been a part of for, for, for this past, past month here. Um, we're a group of campus students who are trying to bring a community on campus. And just to share a little bit about how I see our campus ministry living this out, like we've been meeting um, uh, every Wednesday night this month talking about how to study the word of God and like how to be devoted to the apostles' teachings. We're forming a servants crew to help coordinate efforts on campus and help just serve the campus ministry in general. We meet for a real talk to help people who see who uh, to, to help people see who God is. We've got fun activities every every Friday to connect with people and bring community on campus. Prayer coats everything that we do. We try to pray routinely through the week for those that we're getting to know and for one another. And uh, I don't know if you guys remember, but I used to be a disciple of the 4 p.m. service. I've, every time we say, oh, you know, we're going to go, uh, you know, to 10 a.m. services in September. I was like, you know, shed a tear, but with a smile. Uh, but now, like, after morning services, as a campus ministry, we've been grabbing lunch together and just chilling at Deering Oaks. And uh, I know some of us here may have checked out when I said, you know, like, we meet all these different times a week. But, but focus on the heart here. The heart behind what we're doing is trying to be a blessing on campus and to one another. Uh, it's taken sacrifice and it's taken growth to, to, you know, to kind of get to this point that we're at. But over the past month, over the past year, um, I've had the tremendous blessing of being around brothers and sisters who sacrifice and who want to grow. I love the campus ministry and, and I feel loved by them. You know, there's, there's a genuine intimacy there, not only shared between us, but... I see, I see it in how we interact in, and, and in how the rest of the campus ministry interacts with, our brother, with uh, people that we meet on campus. Um, people are searching for a community there, and, and God's kingdom is that refuge and home. But it's bigger than just the campus ministry. I've, I've seen it all across our body here uh, uh, in Portland. This is what I'm getting from the church at large. From the bigger things, like the gallons hosting Carrie Ann's going away party. Again, a smile but a tear shed as well. Um, uh, or Lincoln developing a framework for, for service and putting in the work there. And our monthly midweek classes that even Evan mentioned, uh, you know, I see this in. But even to the smaller things, um, getting together for a meal, helping a brother or sister out with a project. I mean, Fred quite like literally put his own sermon into practice just this past Friday and hosted the campus ministry for, for, for an awesome uh, dinner and turned into game night and just having, having great conversation. Um, this is the direction that our church is moving in. I've seen it. I've been convinced of it. I've been here for about a year and two months now. And just seeing us becoming more um, um, attentive to, to something like this and becoming more of a community like this, I'm like, man, I've, I've found an awesome spot. I'm so glad to be here. Um, and as we continue to move in this direction, as we continue to take these steps in love, we need to be convicted of the why, the why of what we're doing. Why are we reading Acts 2 and hope that we can look like this? Why do we want to be involved in the community like this? And it's important to lay that foundation. And I want to give you three scriptures that can be some, some of those foundation stones for building your why. Why are we trying to do this? So the first is in John 17. So we'll flip there. Um, 
what I find uniquely encouraging about, about John 17 is this is uh, a prayer that Jesus is praying. This is something that he's talking to God. He's talking to the Father and asking for um, and, uh, you know, uh, and talking about. And this, and this whole prayer in John 17 is really encouraging, but we're going to read verse 1 through 3. And it reads like this. It says, After Jesus said this, he looked towards heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. How countercultural is this thought about how, you know, what Jesus thinks eternal life is. Like, I grew up in a Lutheran church, and what we were taught was that eternal life was something you get after you cross a finish line. You know, it, eternal life will begin once your life on earth uh, uh, ended. But eternal life, guys, is, is a today thing. Eternal life is, is a tomorrow thing. According to Jesus, eternal life is knowing God. You know, earlier in John, Jesus says that his desire is to bring life to the full. Life to the full for the people who would follow him. Life to the full for the world. That's what he offers. And so later on, Jesus defines what that life looks like. Eternal life is knowing God. In his mind, this is what life to the full looks like. Knowing God. And that's one of those things that's simple but tough. Huh? Like, okay, knowing God. I may know some of the practicals about that. Oh, I've been a Christian for how many years I know I can read the Bible. I know I can pray. I know I can talk to people. But it's one of those things that can be tough to know God. Well, how does God think about this situation? How does God think about this, you know, this particular person? And thus, how should I think about this person? How should I think about this situation? Yet part of creating micro-Eden is doing the tough work and trying to get to know God. Because other people, our families, the people in this room and the people outside of this room, they will get to know God through you. They will get to know God through how you know God. Um, why does our campus ministry play ultimate frisbee and flag football on Fridays? Uh, you know, we definitely want to have fun. That's a huge part of it for sure. And we do have fun. And, uh, you know, absolutely, we like to have fun. We like to get to know people and build relationships. But our chief aim is through kind of whatever, whatever way we can to help people see what eternal life looks like. We want them to see in us that we know God, that something is different about us, that you know, you know, I capture the flag, nobody's cursing at each other. Nobody's getting super competitive and like body checking people. Um, if, if, you know, if somebody breaks the rules or something, there's grace, which is, which is a, big, a big amen. But we want to help people see what eternal life looks like, what knowing God looks like. So one of the first, one of the biggest steps of love that we can take uh, is, is loving God by getting to know him. So when we think of the why, when we think of, okay, trying to build this micro-eating, trying, uh, trying, to, trying to be hospitable, trying to share about it, a huge foundation is knowing the God you want to share about, knowing the God that you want to honor, knowing the God that, uh, you know, you know who's, in whose name you're building this kingdom. So that's one of the first foundations. So it's the second that I want to leave you with is Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Again, another, another you know, like kind of classic uh, a verse here, but I'll read it for us. Matthew 18 uh, through 20 says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. 
so when you read a passage like this, uh, uh, you gotta you gotta ask yourself, you know, um, why as a church do we not just close our doors? Why as a church do we not just buy a plot of land somewhere up in like Jackman? Uh, we start our own off the grid, self sufficient community, solar panels, all that kind of stuff. Get off the grid. Um, one reason is it's getting cold, and I kind of don't want to live in Jackman. Uh, but really, why we don't quarantine ourselves from the world and just try to keep and, and you know, you know, and save this whatever micro-eden that we're building for ourselves, uh, why we don't quarantine ourselves from the world is because we want people to have what we have. We want people to know God. Like, this is our mission from Jesus. I was just saying, like, James looks like some kind of agent, like some, like, CIA-type beat. <laughs> CIA, you know, they send people on their secret missions, but we actually get a mission as well. We get a mission from Jesus to help people know God, to help people get this eternal life that we've got and that we're, and that we're you know, continuing and that we're persisting in. Um, we want people to know God. Uh, we want to help people get eternal life. We want, you know, to help people know what God looks like, what God thinks, what God wants, how God wants us to act. Um, this is another step towards building a micro-Eden uh, here in Maine is working with God to help people know him. So getting to know God, working with people to help, uh, uh, to help people get to know God. And, and this last passage that I want to share is, is, in, is in John 15. Um, this last passage is going to serve you well uh, as a solid foundation to take steps in love. Um, now, John 15, I think truly is one of the most consequential, one of the most important passages in all of Scripture. And maybe you can make that argument for every passage of Scripture, but I think there's so much good in John 15, and I would implore you to, to take this home, to read it in its entirety. We're going to skip around just a bit, but um, it's, it seriously is super important and super edifying. Um, I'll read verse 4, verse 10, and then we'll hop into verse 12 and 17. So start in verse 4. It says, Jesus is speaking, he says, remain in me uh, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So the call here is Jesus calling us to remain in him. And if we do, we bear fruit. Now, how do we remain in Jesus? Let's go to verse 10. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. So Jesus' call in verse 4, remain in him. If we do, we bear fruit. How do we remain in Jesus? We keep his commands. And that begs the question, what is the command? We're going to read verse 12. Uh, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. And, and I mean, even again in verse 17, it says, this is my command, love each other. And so you kind of see the equation that Jesus is building here. Remain in me. Uh, bear fruit. How do we remain in him? We keep his commands. What's the commands that we got to keep? Love each other. Love one another. This is the foundation of Steps in Love because we can try to host a thousand Capture the Flag events on campus or we can have 10,000, you know, Bible studies with people. Or we could get up and street preach or we could, you know, kind of do anything. But if we're not keeping this command, our fruit is going to be lacking and vice versa if we ensure that we're loving people, we're going to bear fruit. That's a promise. Um, 
why this series is called Steps in Love is because if we try to walk with Jesus, if we try to remain in him without love, we're walking backwards. We'll still be walking somewhere, but we're not walking with Jesus anymore. To be fruitful in, in accepting people for who they are, to be fruitful in trying to establish a micro-Eden, to be fruitful in hospitality, to be fruitful in talking about God, Jesus' command here is to love each other. And if we love each other, we are keeping Jesus' commands. If we keep his commands, we remain in him. We know we're doing the right thing, and we know God will use us uh, here in Portland, here in Maine, for, for change for the better, for changing people's lives. And so we're thinking, okay, well, uh, just, just, just as a summary, just as a recap, thinking about steps in love, thinking about being hospitable, thinking about building a micro-Eden, thinking about trying to share with people, um, we want to have our foundation for our why set right. If we set our why right, it's going to motivate us, despite if we have an off day, despite if we have an off week, um, despite if, you know, some idea of ours that was really cool, like, oh, maybe we could do, maybe we could do flag football on ice. When they freeze over the pond in Deering Oaks, we'll get everybody's skates and we'll do flag football on ice. Okay. That idea, although maybe, maybe well-intentioned, may, may not produce what we're looking for. We can be confident. We can be confident that... As we're out there skating, trying to throw the flag, or trying to throw the football, trying to pull each other's flags. If we're loving, some kind of fruit is being established. And maybe the event doesn't go necessarily how, you know, how, we, might, how we might want it to go. But if the foundation is love, fruit is going to be born. And I wanted to share just, just these quick thoughts, these, these, these quick three scriptures. Um, again, as, as thinking of the why for Steps in Love. Why should we walk in steps in love? Why should I get up? Why should I you know, decide to do this every morning? And so then that begs even the bigger question, how do we love? And we could, we could devote the next like 20 years. We could do just one big sermon series about how do we love. And we could read the whole Bible front to back and pull so, so much out of it. Um, it's a huge question with a lot of moving parts and it takes a lot of study. But we know that we can always get the perfect expression of love from Jesus. And I think communion is an incredible kind of first and ultimate view into what love looks like, into what steps in love looks like, into what the why is. You know, how do we love? Um, communion is, is, is such a key uh, perspective and window into that. The whole point of, of participating in communion is to remember and reflect upon one of the most loving things anyone has ever done for you. It's one of the most loving things. If we want to model, uh, uh, if we want a model of how we're going to live our lives, if we want a model of how to live out this John 15, keeping commands, remaining in him, but that ultimate command of loving each other, we start with the cross. So I'm going to pray for communion. And then uh, we're going to have some of our ushers help us out with the communion, but I'll explain a little bit about that. So let's pray. Father God, thank you so, so much for all the incredible things that you have given us. Um, God, when I look back on the last month, when I look back on the last year and some change that I've been here, uh, I see that you've put me in a community of people who are trying to walk in steps of love. In the small things and in the big things, I'm constantly reminded uh, uh, that I'm part of, of, of a people who, who loves you and, and is trying to love the world. Um, 
Father, keep continuing us, keep, keep continuing to guide us in that, God, forgive us of, of the ways that we might misstep, of the ways where our love is insufficient for our neighbor, for our brother and sister, for our family, God, forgive us of that. But also train us, continue to convict us, grow us in your word and give us more faith that we may walk with steps of love, God. Um, if we ever need an example, we can look at your son, we can look at him dying on the cross, but making the ultimate sacrifice for us, for our lives. Father, we love you so much, and as we take communion, we take it in honor and remembrance of the sacrifice of your son. Amen. Amen. And so for communion, how we're going to do it is we're going to do row by row. We've got the bread and the wine in the back. Now, the, uh, the awesome, I called them on Friday, I called them the Ellens, but they're actually the Fallers. <laughs> Fred and Ellen Fowler, they're going to uh, help kind of guide us row by row. So we're going to all get up by row and then head back there for communion. Thank you.